Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Social Sit Down Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Thomas. This week, I was debating about whether or not to discuss a group of topics like I did last time. For instance, we had uh, Senator Bernie Sanders, Phil the Burn, drop out of the presidential race for 2020. Not that huge of a fan of extremes. I think right now in the White House, we have one extreme to one side, I think. Senator Sanders would have been another extreme to another side. However, I personally was inclined to vote for either him or Andrew Yang in the presidential race this year, if he would have been in it. I'm not telling you who to vote for, how you should vote. Just read up on whichever candidate you feel like voting for. See if it makes sense to you. But uh, Senator Sanders was one of the men I was thinking about voting for this November. But he officially dropped out of the race, I want to say, about a week and a half, maybe two weeks ago. Another thing I wanted to touch on were the were the deaths that's going on in New York City. Something odd going on out there. Not so much people dying from the coronavirus, but there was talks about a mass grave out there. And that people only had like a certain amount of days to claim their loved ones. But how are you going to do that when there is a stay-at-home order and people aren't really supposed to be leaving their house in mass like that? Also, according to social media, um, some somewhat legit accounts, not everybody is being properly diagnosed with this this coronavirus and that's the conspiracy theorist in me that that raises the eyebrow on on to what's going on with that but specifically in New York when they're talking about mass graves I don't know how much you know about um I guess you could say slavery this was around slavery times it was a mass grave that was found in the New York area. I can't recall off the top of my head where specifically in New York, but there were found though there were graves found of old slave workers that had worked so hard there. One of the slaves had their um their joints and their arm pop out of socket. This I believe it was a woman buried with her arm out of socket from being overworked. So whenever I hear something about mass graves, I always always think back to that little piece of history. Um, Sports-wise, yeah, Dana White was trying to, (laughs) I don't know what the hell he was trying to do. He was trying to buy an island so he could keep up with the UFC and keep fights going amid this pandemic. You got to keep the money going, man, for the love of money. It's the root of all evil. And uh, that that was weird. Baseball was trying to get, they said a biodome. I've never seen that movie, so I don't get the reference. But they were trying to get every single player that played baseball, plus a few extra players, important staff members, and necessary personnel within the hotel industry and the service industry down to the state of Arizona so they could have their 162-game season playing nothing but doubleheaders 
from the middle or the end of May all the way until we got a World Series champion, but that that quickly got shut down. Um, When I wrote these notes out, the NBA players were still talking about having a game of horse. I think they officially did that. I haven't watched it, nor have I watched the NBA players playing 2K. I got my own 2K game. I'm the greatest point guard that ever lived in virtual reality, so I could do that on my own, man. I don't really want to watch this this boring crap on my TV. If I want to watch 2K, I'll play it myself. The horse thing, I'm never going to watch it. Give me real NBA games. Give me the greatest games ever played in the history. Or give me nothing at all. I, I don't. You keep this. There was some controversial things coming down from my favorite conference, the SEC, with Mike Leach. I believe he was just trying to have fun. When I first saw it, I didn't think nothing of it. He did a little retweet or tweet of a woman stitching together a noose, called it a brand new tie for a husband, using air quotes here. And I understand how down south the picture of a noose in any way, shape, or form can be offensive. And, um, yeah, that one kind of bit him in the ass, I believe, three players once they saw that, hit the transfer portal, and they're getting up out of Mississippi State. So there was also, on last week's show, I talked about hoping that college football was, was to come back, minimal for selfish reasons, mostly for economic reasons, reasons in, in the region, also for the athletes that, that put their blood, sweat, and tears into this, for the seniors and juniors that's trying to get that one last year in to report eligible for the uh, NFL draft and get and raise their, their value. But you got guys like Mike Gundy, whom I'm not that huge of a fan of, Dabo Sweeney. <sighs> Hate is a strong word, but I strongly dislike Dabo Sweeney for the comments he made um, towards Colin Kaepernick and making... Dr. Martin Luther King pretty much sound like a a weakling. I think that's a politically correct thing I could say for right now. But um, they kind of took my sentiments and my thoughts and they went overboard with it. Like, oh, it was kind of gross. It, it was kind of gross. Um, basically, it was the fire and brimstone that you expect from old, white, southern, religious guys talking about we're just going to beat this thing out, having no context of what they were saying. You're going to, they're not actually doing much of anything. It's these young men that don't get paid to play this. Even if they were getting paid, the hell with it, man. You just don't care. We're going to send these body, these dudes out there. We're going to play the sport. Don't give a damn about this disease. Don't give a damn about if they get sick or not. We trying to just bring football back because we need it back, and it's going to, no matter what what is out there, what happens, we playing football. Football is not that serious. And this is coming from a guy that played football that meant everything to him. Coach football, I told you in a, a previous episode, football saved my life. Cool. It's not that important. The medical community says we got to shut this thing down until about June, July or have no football at all. I don't give a damn about your religious beliefs. I don't give a damn about your 
high-pitched squeals about what, what you think you're going to do. This is not the military. This is not that serious. You are not God. We could go a season without college football, man. Cast took a minute. It wasn't because of the stuff in the beginning. It's the stuff I'm getting ready to talk about now, which is a, has to do with the NFL offseason. Um, it's one of my favorite sports. I know most people like it as well, but there's a lot of history behind it, uh, a lot of deep history about behind the sport. There's two quarterbacks that's still unsigned, still in free agency, and the intellectual masturbation that's taking place among sports analysts is starting to piss me off between these two people. And I, I really wish somebody would actually say something meaningful, say something correct, or say something to at least uh, inform the fans. This is a, the debate between Cam Newton and Jameis Winston and where they were, where they will wind up in free agency. I will tell you this right now. If you hear another human being say that one of these two quarterbacks is going to wind up in New England, open palms slap them in the face. If that doesn't work, backhand slap them in the face. And let's go down, let's go down the history of this. All right, so this past season, the NFL celebrated 100 years of being in existence, correct? Cool. All right. It's a long time for one company, organization, or entity to be around. Some of the founding members of the NFL is what we now know as the Arizona Cardinals and the Chicago Bears. A few years after they started, what we know as the Green Bay Packers and the New York Giants came about. All of these teams were founded in the 19-teens or the 1920s. All right? The 19-teens, the 1920s. Now, for some odd reason, black people were allowed to be to play in the sport. It wasn't that big of a deal. I think there was some kind of unwritten rule that you're going to have like three or four guys on the team. I couldn't do the quick history on it but in 1933, the NFL decided, you know what? <laughs> the rest of the world, the rest of this country is segregated. Why in the hell are we letting these people play in the football league with us? So they shut that down, and they didn't have another black person come into the NFL as we know it again until 1946. 1946. As far as the NFL as we know it is concerned. The first black quarterback came about in 1953. A guy by the name of Willie Thrower was picked up by the Chicago Bears. And the more progressive league, the AFL, the first middle linebacker to play professional football was a guy by the name of Willie Lanier, Grambling State University, played for the Kansas City Chiefs. All right. Marlon Briscoe, again, Progressive League, the Denver Broncos, the first black quarterback to start a game in 1968. James Harris was the first black quarterback to start a season in the Progressive AFL in 1969. Ray Donaldson was the first black center in pro football to start a game in 1981. And there's some debate whether or not that a young man by the name of Emlyn Tunnel was the first black safety in the NFL in 1948. 
I was looking specifically for free safety, and I'm about to tell you why. The reason why I rattled off these these certain positions is because when football decided that they were going to reintegrate African-Americans into it, they would only allow them to have so many spots. The thinking man's position, which black people weren't smart enough to play, were the quarterback, thinking man's position, the center, the person that actually calls out line protections and defenses, the middle linebacker, the captain of the front seven of the defense and usually calls out the defensive plays and the free safety, the quarterback of the secondary that calls out all the coverages. These are thinking man positions. Black people do not have the brain capacity to have that according to the National Football League. Again, the AFL was the more progressive league. I don't think they really like black people like talking about, but it was a market efficiency that they jumped on just to piss off the NFL, in my personal opinion. So the dealings between black people and the NFL have been rough ever since this thing first got off the ground. Started in the 1919s, 1920s, and it took like 40 to 50 years just to say, okay, positions that were traditionally given to white people because of the way racists thought of intelligence finally started going to black people. But this quarterback position is a, is a totally different animal. i give you an example of a young man by the name of Joe Gilliam, drafted by the Steelers in the 70s. 1974, he was the first black quarterback for that organization to start a regular season game. He went on that season to go. He won four games, lost one, tied one, and never saw the field again after that. All right? He won four games, lost one, tied one, never saw the field after that. The guy that took his place you probably heard of, his name is Terry Bradshaw. Went on to win four Super Bowls and became a Hall of Famer for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, the reasoning for this benching was supposedly he was changing the plays and wasn't following the game plan that Coach Chuck Noll had installed. That may or may not be true or wasn't there. What I know what it was publicized was that Mr. Gilliam was getting death threats just for being a black quarterback in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Now, I don't know if that led to the the drug addiction that eventually came to miss a game as as a result of this. Um, that's hard to say, but I know as a starting quarterback, he went 4-1-1. One, and, one. and because of the pressure from the fans and the death threats that Joe Gilliam was receiving, and I'm assuming the owners and the coaches were receiving the same thing for starting this black guy at quarterback for their franchise, he was benched. There was no back and forth. There was no behind the scenes. There was no, hey, man, fix your stuff, get it together, get your job back, and let's do this thing. No, his job was lost forever after six games without a conference. Moving on to a young man that we all should know, Doug Williams. Doug Williams was drafted 17th overall by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 1978. 
keep that year in mind. 1978, first overall, uh, 17th overall draft pick of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. First black quarterback selected in the first round in the NFL ever. Again, we started in 1919. This man was drafted, the first ever one drafted in 1978. Two years prior to Doug Williams showing up, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won two games in two years. Doug Williams shows up. They go to three playoff games in the five years that he played for them, including the 1979 NFC Championship game. So the second year, his second year, Plan for the franchise. They almost go to the Super Bowl for the first time ever. And they didn't want him back. They didn't want to pay him. While while he was their starting quarterback, they paid him worse than some backup quarterbacks in the NFL at the time. And after five years, the man wanted his money. They refused to pay him. They didn't make it to the playoffs again for another 14 years. But, hey, it's just a position. It's all love, right? Cool. As you know, after a couple of years with the USFL, he come back to uh, the NFL in 1986, become the first black quarterback ever to win the Super Bowl in 1987. And I believe due to not taking a pay cut to be the back of quarterback the very next year, he was just out the league in 1988 so again a money dispute over something that he earned and he deserved he was out of the league (sighs) moving on so that was Doug Williams in 1978 right 1978 which means he finished up his senior year in 1977 that same year there was another black quarterback in the Pacific Northwest by the name of Warren Moon won the Pac-8 title Y'all don't know what the Pac-8 is. The Pac-8 turned into the Pac-10, which is now known as the Pac-12. That's what UCLA, USC, Oregon, Oregon State, all those schools right there. This man won that title in 1977. And in 12 rounds of the NFL draft, you know which round Warren Moon got picked in? Zero. Zero. Warren Moon did not get drafted into the NFL because, again, it's a white man's position. White man is a thinking man. The black man is just an athlete. All you're supposed to do is run that ball, catch that ball, shut up, and do what the hell we tell you to do. So, Mr. Moon decided he would take his talents to Canada. Played for the Edmonton Eskimos for five seasons. Those five seasons he played for the Eskimos, he won the equivalent of five Super Bowl rings. Five years, five Super Bowl rings. And regardless of what they tell you in NFL history, as far as pro football all over the world is concerned, the first person to throw for 5,000 yards in a season was Warren Moon. And he did it back-to-back years. All right? It was at this time that the NFL realized that they made a huge, huge mistake. So they decided to let good old Warren Moon back on in into the game. He had to go play for the Houston Oilers. Cool. May not mean nothing to people listening, but 
hopefully what I have to say here mm, changes up a little bit. And hopefully I can explain it perfectly. Warren Moon went down to Houston in 1984, 1985. Played for a coach that I obviously I didn't think enough to name because he's not on my notes. The very next year, he had Jerry Glanville come in and install this offense called the run and shoot. What is the run and shoot offense? I am not a football novice like you. I do not study all this crap. The hell are you talking about? What's the big deal? Cool. Glad you asked. Most offenses that are run in college football, high school football, and in the NFL, the play is drawn up for every single eligible receiver on the field to go in a certain pattern to open up either one or two receivers. The run-and-shoot offense has five eligible receivers where at a max three of those routes are picked up. Three, excuse me, three of those routes are drawn out. The other two routes are option routes. And those option routes are ran according to what the defense gives them. And you're not out there on the field saying, hey, man, look, the defense looks like this, so I need you to run this route. Nope, 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 nope. Your outside receivers will tend to have a mandatory outside release and just go down the field. The coverage is loose, they will come back to the ball. If the coverage is tight, they will continue down the field, hoping that the quarterback will throw them the ball. You have the running back will either run out into the flats, which is the little space behind the line of scrimmage. By the quarterback, he might run an arrow route, which he'll fake to the outside and come back to all the middle where the linebackers and stuff are. Or he'll stand for pass protection. Those other receivers, those other receivers are going down the field. While they're running down the field, they are reading linebackers and safeties to determine whether or not where to run their routes at. While they're doing that, the quarterback has to see the exact same thing that they see and know where to throw the ball at. Running that offense, running that offense, Warren Moon was the first quarterback to put up. No, excuse me. That is wrong. That's incorrect information. Warren Moon would go on to put up 4,000 yards passing at least four or five times in this offense. Back in the 80s, late 80s, early 90s, that was unheard of. Unheard of. And there's only two other quarterbacks that did the same thing that he did, and that was... Uh, not on my notes, but I can tell you one of them. San Diego Chargers, why am I having a brain fart? God dog it. Why did I not put that in my notes? Anyway, two other professional quarterbacks have only done that outside of Warren Moon. All right. Along with his statistics in Canada and the NFL, Warren Moon has thrown for over 70,000 yards in professional football. One of only four or five quarterbacks to ever do so. 1993, we get down to, this will be my last one because I don't want to bore you to death with this. There's a young man by the name of Charlie Ward, 6'2", 190-pound quarterback out of Florida State University, won the Heisman Trophy, 1992-1993. 6'2", 190-pound quarterback, Heisman Trophy winner. Was not drafted in the NFL because he said if he did not get drafted in the first round, he was going to take his talents to the NBA. 
hell of an athlete. And he wasn't even a starter at his school coming out of Florida State. He was sitting behind guys like Bob Sewer and Sam Cassell. But he told the NFL, if you're not going to pick me in the first round, but all the stuff that I did in college football, don't even worry about drafting me at all. People claimed that he was too small. At 6'2", 190 pounds, he would have been right there with, on average, Steve Young, Joe Montana, John Elway, Rick Meyer, who was a first-round draft pick just a year prior. All he had to do was put on 20 pounds of muscle, and that's nothing. Nothing for a kid coming out of college, getting on the NFL's weight program and diet program to put on 15 to 20 pounds. That's nothing. Ran the most dynamic offense in college football at that moment in time. He did not get a look above the third round. According to scouts. There's something weird about this position in the NFL. And that's why I don't like people coming on your TV sets and my TV sets all willy-nilly talking about, yeah, Cam Newton. What he's going to do is he's going to go down to New England. Last thing I'll give you. As I search through my notes, last thing I'll give you about this. The New England Patriots, right? You want to know the first time that the New England Patriots had a black guy go under center and take a snap? Keeping in mind that the NFL just celebrated its 100-year anniversary. Do you want to know when the New England Patriots had a black guy take a snap from under center? 2016, guy by the name of Jacoby Brissett. It's a very strange position, ladies and gentlemen. The history of this position, the history of this sport with its black players has been a very complex one. So to just come out and just say willy-nilly that these guys are going to go to these teams without knowing the history, without doing the history, or just purposely just omitting history, that's flagrant. That's wrong. That's foul. And that's an injustice to you, the consumers. As I wrap up this show, um, I would like to send out a rest in peace to Tavares Jackson, to Hank Steinbrenner, and to Miss Jacqueline Cruz, the mother of Carl Anthony Towns, who passed away from the coronavirus. Um, to the people who listen to, to my podcast, I appreciate it. I thank you. I'm still working on getting myself better in this talking sphere. To get to get better material out to you, so I appreciate your patience. Um, another one of the messages I would like to send is: Please do not kill yourself during this period of time. Over productivity, I've seen the memes, I've seen the posts about if you don't come out of this horrible, horrible situation with um, some type of new skill some type of new this, new that, then you're just wasting time. Nobody can tell another man or another woman how they should handle their time during the disaster. 
All right. So please don't beat yourself up over a faceless person because you're doing something different than what they think you should be doing. Take your time to grieve. Take your time to heal. Take your time to see what your next move should be. Nobody should be moving on the, on the internet and on social media. You move in silence when you do your work. Whatever comes out of this is is perfect. No matter what it is, whatever comes out of this is perfect. As long as you're being true to yourself and doing the max things that you could do under the mental capacity that you have at this moment, I'm telling you, you're doing great. All right. Again, try to cope with this the best way that you can and do what you can when it is time. Whether it's getting better at your job, hopefully it still exists. If it doesn't exist, trying to find trying to find ways to get money in your pocket sounds to me it sounds stupid because money is nothing. What you need to do is find a place to live, find food. And right now, our bartering system is money. So, I mean, money, yes. But if you and your kids got a roof over their head, they got food to eat, they got transportation to get around, you're doing good, in my personal opinion. All right? If you got to learn a new skill, learn a new skill. You could do like me. Try to accomplish stuff on your uh, your bucket list or your vision board. That's what this whole podcast is about. This is what my whole, I got to conquer this Virgo mind of mine of trying to be a perfectionist because this is hampering some stuff that I'm, some other stuff that I'm trying to do as well. But whatever it is, man, as long as you're moving at your pace, doing stuff that you don't always have to blast on the internet, man, screw these other people and what they think, what they say. All right. Take care of yourself. Don't, don't. Don't get into a mental pit because of what you see, especially with these people that have no sense of humor. My God, some people don't have. Right now, if you don't have a sense of humor, please don't talk to me. <laughs> I got I got like four IG accounts that I'm trying to manage right now. I got a couple of Facebook, a couple of Twitters, man. I'm trying to find, I'm trying to grow this thing. I'm trying to build something else. And in the midst of all of this, foolishness i'm trying to keep my kids going strong which is my players there you know you know i don't have any biological children of my own and whenever i refer to my kids i'm talking about my players trying to keep them straight trying to keep my mental health straight if you don't have a sense of humor man please do not bring your depressed down ass to anything that i'm doing man same goes for you. If you see these people coming from a mile away, if you see these people just fall in your lap, whether it's in person or on your social media accounts, man, that's your safe space. Kick them the hell up out of there. They don't need to be there. All right? So take care of yourself. I hope every, everybody's still doing good. For those of y'all getting the beach bodies right now, kudos to you. Uh, I think I've gained like five pounds just sitting here, not doing nothing, looking depressed like Wolverine on that meme, waiting for my gym to open back up, man. 
I'm ready for this. I'm ready to hit these weights. Damn all these push-ups and everything. Give me my weights back. So until next time, thank you again for joining me at the Social Sit-Down. Mm-hmm.